Percy, here's the question for you. How important is it for us to begin to monitor our dietary habits? Well, Wayne, this is a tough topic because a lot of people struggle with this, but I would say it's more important than we may think. We all have heard the old adage, you are what you eat, and particularly from a cancer perspective. And let me tell you, I'm speaking from experience. There are some important things to pay attention to about our dietary practices. We should probably discuss this a bit further with someone who can help us understand why. And we're going to do just that, a licensed dietitian who's also a cancer survivor. His insight's coming next. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. I'm so glad you've joined us now for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Percy, we have done something like 300 of these conversations, these podcasts now, and I can remember talking about this issue very early on and throughout this whole series. It's so important, isn't it? You are exactly right. You know, in the very, I believe, probably the second or third show that we ever did with Carolyn Lammersville, we talked about nutrition and its role with respect to cancer and health in general. And it's an important topic. It's an important subject that in many cases we may take for granted and not spend enough emphasis upon. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what we eat and how we eat very well may impact our overall health. And we need to pay more attention to it, quite frankly. Yeah, I know I do as well. But why is this such a difficult thing for all of us? Well, my theory, the Percy Wilson McRae Jr. School of Thought is. Okay. That's what is I was that, asking for. Okay, go Absolutely. Ahead. <laughs> so this is not any based upon any type of science or data, <laughs> is that I believe that the way that we eat food in general for us is cultural and it is emotional. Mm-hmm. We stop to think. We typically eat uh, based upon how we were raised, based upon our cor- uh, cultural orientation, our mom's favorite recipes. Yeah, we call it comfort food, don't we? Yep, uh, grandma's favorite food. But in addition to the cultural orientation of a eating practice or style is the comfort level that certain foods uh, subliminally you know, provides for us, that we just feel different when we eat certain things. Think about how we feel about Uh, emotionally to get some ice cream, to eat a certain type of dessert. It creates a certain emotional dynamic in us that gives us comfort, but it's not necessarily in our best health interest. It's just an emotional driver and we're going to have to work through. And this is where the challenge is, is kind of separating where we receive comfort from eating certain things and certain traditional habits of eating that we learned from mom and grandma, great grandma, but is it ultimately nutritionally in our best interest from a health perspective? And that's a challenge for many people to separate the two, and that's where the battle is. And it really is, it can be a conflict and a struggle for sure. So let's pose the question to our listeners this week. Have you found changing your dietary habits challenging? And why? Be vulnerable here with us. We'd love to hear some honest answers. You can be anonymous if you like. Uh, We just like to know approximately where you are in the country just to get a sense of how many communities we're reaching. But you can answer the question, have you found changing your dietary habits challenging? 
and why? Answer the question at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Now, this question is one, not this specific question, but we like to pose a different question each week, Percy. We do. And so uh, we've posed the question previously, uh, how did cancer change you as a person? And we have a friend that responded from Burlington, North Carolina, that said, my cancer diagnosis and surgery made me slow down and smell the roses Mm -hmm. in my life that I took for granted and in some cases actually ignored. And again, as a now a a former cancer patient, uh, you, you, you become very reflective and you start thinking about things or you become more conscious of things that maybe you just took for granted before you were told that you have cancer. So I certainly appreciate and I do agree with this school of thought of how that can change you as a person and change your focus as you are walking day to day. You mentioned Carolyn's name a few moments ago. With her help, we've put together a resource called Cancer Fighting Recipes. Uh, This has been a very popular resource through the years, and we want to offer it once again. It has. Actually, it's probably one of the most popular resources that we've ever uh, made available. And it's because I think of the same principle in talking about why we are challenged around changing our dietary practices, because we love food. Let's just be honest about it, Wayne. We love food. Mm -hmm. And when we when we begin to unpackage that, uh, we thought that it would be important to offer some cancer fighting recipes that would still be uh, good to eat and prepare and tasty, because I think that people have a, a misnomer and a predisposition around the idea. Well, if I have to eat healthy, then the food won't taste well and it won't be as enjoyable. And the fact of the matter is that's not really true. So we put this document together with regard to uh, cancer-fighting recipes that'll be fun to make and enjoyable to digest. And we did receive the help of the one and only Carolyn Lammersville, and we thank her for that. Yep, and I'm so glad we made this available again. Cancer-fighting recipes at healthhopeandinspiration.com, which is also where you can answer this week's question, healthhopeandinspiration.com. All right, we're going to meet our guest in a few moments, but uh, as we always do, let's turn to Scripture. Yeah, and listen to the word of the Lord today. So don't shoot the the mailman here. I'm just (laughs) delivering the mail, okay? And it reads as follows there, and it's important. 2 Corinthians, uh, the 7th chapter, verse number 1, and it says, Since we have these promises, what promises do we have from God? He said that he would bless us with long life and that he would take care of us. He would help us fight our battles. Well, since we have these types of promises from God, it says, Dear friends, then let us do something in relationship to the promises that God has given us. Uh, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Well, how do we do that? From everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Again, I'm just delivering the mail. We're being encouraged that we love to receive the promises of God, But this scripture is helping us to understand that there are some things that we're being expected to do in relationship to the promises that God has given us, and primarily is that we need to begin to purge ourselves from anything that contaminates our body as well as our spirit. And Mm -hmm. so that's going to help us with today's conversation with regard to nutritionally uh, eating and being better with our nutritional intake. The word is a good word to start our conversation here today. Okay, we'll meet our guest in a moment. With Cancer Center for Alexa, now you can find answers to your cancer-related questions. 
The Cancer Center for Alexa Skill is a voice-activated question-and-answer tool which empowers users to ask Alexa questions you may have about your cancer or services available at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The skill can answer over 800 questions on more than 40 different cancer types, symptoms, risk factors, and treatment options. To access this tool, you or anyone you support can simply say Alexa and Able Cancer Center on any Amazon device. And of course, you can also access this tool on any smartphone by downloading the Alexa app, the Cancer Center for Alexa skill. Let's meet our guest now, a dietitian on health, hope, and inspiration. Well, man, oh man, I'm excited to be back with you again today with another interview and another cancer story. As I've often said that uh, we speak to the subject of cancer, to uh, the community of cancer patients, and uh, it is my belief that all cancer patients or caregivers or caretakers of, of people with cancer have a story to tell. Uh, but sometimes you just it's hard to find people who want to listen to those stories, and we believe we've found that audience. And on that note, I want to introduce to you today uh, Nathan Schober, who's a clinical dietitian, works at CTCA Atlanta since August 2013, but also who himself is a cancer patient, uh, uh, diagnosed in 2017 with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so um, I think we're going to have a very engaging conversation. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Nathan? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great today. It's a, a good day in Atlanta. All right. All right. Well, praise God for that. Well, as the introduction stated, uh, you're, you're a clinical dietitian. You're also a, a cancer patient uh, working through uh, and have worked through the effects of treatment uh, diagnosis and et cetera. And so with that, let's first go into, uh, a little bit of your story. Uh, how are you doing physically, uh, with regard to your diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma? How are things going? Thank you. Um, cancer wise doing well, uh, been clear scans for the last several years, which is good after I finished all my chemos and stem cell transplant and everything. So working through some of the side effects, but uh, as I always say, it's not cancer, so I can deal with with the rest of it. Okay. So uh, taking it day by day and uh, back in the gym now okay, and uh, uh, trying to get some of the weight off that I gained after yeah. after treatment and whatnot. Yeah. So uh, helps me to empathize with everybody that's maybe listening or what they've gone through, you know, weight shifts and everything. I work with that as a clinician, but also as a, as a patient, I've fought the same battles. So uh, doing well, though. Thank you. Well, good. Well, we praise the Lord for, again, uh, you being here to tell your story and that you are moving forward and that you are taking strides in in the in a positive direction. So I'm grateful to hear that and uh, to meet another comrade uh, in the fight against cancer. So thank you so much. Speaking of the work that you do from a dietitian perspective, let's shift gears a bit and let's talk about that work. Um uh, we've had uh, dietitians on the show before, uh, and uh, we've we've familiarized this audience with the fact that, you know, food and dietary processes and eating uh, definitely has a relationship and on some levels a correlation uh, with cancer. You know, uh, in some cases, there is some documentation and data that that suggests that there may be a relationship with obesity uh, and cancer, uh, eating of certain foods, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk a little bit about, first of all, what inspired and led you into the field of, of becoming a dietitian? Uh, thank you. Um, 
So I was, I went through school to be an exercise physiologist um, before I went to be a dietitian and working with athletes is what I was primarily doing. Mm. And I had several where they were doing fine as far as their training, but I wasn't legally able to give them any recommendations as far as their nutrition Mm. while I was working with those uh, clients. And so I decided I wanted to go back and uh, get a degree in nutrition so that I could become a dietitian. That way I could walk in both worlds, you know, complement the exercise with the nutrition, mainly focusing on athletes at that time. However, uh, when I was in school, I did a a partnership as part of my grad school where uh, I got to get some of my tuition uh, help reimbursed by working at a cancer center in Bloomington, Illinois. Mm. So for a year, I worked at a cancer center there. Um, And that's what really got me into wanting to service uh, cancer patients as far as nutrition went. And then learning more about the clinical side of things as opposed to the exercise Mm. side of things, I got really into the the clinical aspects and the physiology of all those things. So I've kind of switched gears from exercise to nutrition, but I still pull both of them in in my day to day. Got it. I appreciate you giving that backdrop. And as you know, probably more so than anyone else, there has been a lot of conversation in the marketplace around nutrition, uh, eating healthy, uh, you know, going natural, being a vegan. And there has been tons of conversation around nutrition and uh, so on and so forth. Let's address right off the top, what are some of the nutritional misnomers that people who are dealing with cancer should be aware of? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, And it's something that we deal with every day and in clinic and get questions all the time. Mm. So uh, I say um, there's no shortage of nutrition information out there and always look for registered dietitian, which is a licensed term. You don't have to be licensed to be a nutritionist. So you can write papers, you can make YouTube videos, you can do all kinds of things and call yourself a nutritionist. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you've had any training, no licensure, no passing of tests or anything. You can just call yourself that and, and put out content. Mm. So that, that ends up muddy in the water a little bit. Mm. And then there's uh, lots of research where we're arguing amongst ourselves, but knowing what applies in clinical setting to, to actually food on your table is a little bit of a difference. So some of the things that we get a lot, um, would be uh, sugar feeds cancer, which is a complex answer. Uh, you know, we usually recommend the natural sugar. So you, we know that we can't starve cancer. Uh, whether you eat any carbohydrates or not, your body will break down its own muscle and make its carbohydrates. So we can't starve it. And we would rather get carbohydrates from these plant foods that have thousands of phytonutrients that light up these anti-cancer pathways that don't get lit up unless mm. you're eating those kind of foods. So trying not to starve the cancer. There's a lot in uh, fasting and there is sometimes where there's some literature on maybe fasting in short pieces can help you okay. with tolerance of treatments and things like that. But uh, work with your dietitians as far as that goes, but try not to starve cancer, go for these healthy plant foods and whole minimally processed uh, areas is one of the big ones that we get. Okay. Okay. And and so that actually dovetails into my second question, basically, in terms of some nutritional tips for cancer patients, some things that cancer patients and their caregivers uh, should be aware of, of things that they can do. And again, with the caveat, make sure that uh, you are 
uh, conferring with a licensed nutritionist, along with uh, someone that is also conferring, I would assume, with your oncologist in terms yes. of your clinical team. Okay. So, yes, yeah, some, some nutritional tips then uh, for cancer patients. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we'll follow the American Institute for Cancer Research's guidelines. Okay. Uh, you can go to their website, AICR.org. Um, it's a nonprofit. All they do is research nutrition and cancer uh, throughout the world, and then they put out guidelines. So they have their top 10 recommendations. They get published every 10 years. The newest ones are from 2018. And it'll talk about things like maintaining a healthy weight, be physically active, no matter mm -hmm. how little that is. If that's chair exercises, do chair exercises. If that's a 30-minute walk, do a 30-minute walk. Whatever physical activity looks like for you. Um, eating minimally processed uh, plant foods from a variety of colors. You can tell what anti-cancer benefit you're going to get from the plant based oh. on the color. Okay. So eat a variety of colors um, and minimize processed foods, you know, limit starches, fats, sugars that are processed forms um, are some of their, their bigger ones. And then avoiding uh, uh, excess red meat, they'll allow up to 16 ounces of red meat a week. Okay. Um, and anything with four legs is going to be red meat. So we're going to want to do the two legged or less animals, turkey, chicken, or fish and fish have no legs. So we like them best. Yeah. Uh, and then avoiding processed meats, you know, deli meats that have nitrates or nitrites in them, smoking, curing, sausages, bacon. If it keeps the meat good longer, it increases cancer. And the World Health Organization puts it in the same category as smoking for causing cancer. Wow. So the best that we can avoid those, the better off we are. Okay, that was huge and helpful. I appreciate that so much. That is awesome. Uh, what are some of the nutritional challenges that you see with cancer patients? whether it would be in eating enough food to gain weight, because I know that you can have a challenge in both directions of, of overeating. And again, you made the reference of, of uh, uh, the, the correlation of obesity and cancer, but also the opposite can be true of people who cannot maintain uh, a good body weight or et cetera. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that ca uh, cancer patients face and some things that you can recommend. Mm. Yeah, uh, no shortage of nutrition challenges for cancer patients. You're right, the whole gamut. Um, most of the current published studies say that at one point in anybody's cancer treatment uh, journey, that 80% of people will be malnourished at some point mm. in their in their diagnosis. Okay. Uh, up to 20% of cancer patients die from the malnutrition, not the cancer. Mm. On the other end, um, like you said, the obesity can cause increased uh, recurrence rates and maybe less uh, response to treatments. Okay. Um, so it runs the gamut as far as some people are on hormone therapies and they're really revved up as far as their appetite mm. and we're trying to get them to lose weight. So that's the challenge on that end. Other people, their gut won't function or they just don't have an appetite or they're on so many pain meds that the stomach won't empty on the other side. So we're trying to fight for every calorie that we can get into the yeah. body. Or, the, or they may have difficult swallowing in some cases, yeah. depending on the type yeah. of cancer that they're dealing with, neck and, th and throat cancers. Yeah. I mean, every patient that we meet, we ask, do you have any troubles chewing or swallowing, taste changes, nausea, vomiting, constipation, diarrhea, or abdominal pain? Because those are the big things that impact the nutrition aspects of their cancer treatment. And there's things that we can change in the diet to help with all those symptoms. So we ask that on every evaluation. Okay, that's good. That is really awesome. 
And again, uh, it's, it's been stated, but we'll continue to make the point. Make sure that you sit down and speak to someone who is a licensed and trained nutritionist. Let's shift gears very quickly. You're a man of faith. You're a person of faith. Let's talk about from your perspective and being as a cancer patient, uh, how important in your personal opinion, this is you speaking, do you think faith and spirituality is within the construct of good clinical care, not in the replacement of clinical care? What say you about spirituality and faith from your own personal experience, and how important do you think it is for cancer patients to be spiritually supported? Yeah, um, it's a great question, and I'll try and uh, condense my answer to to be as brief as I can. Um, but I kind of run the gamut as far as where I was in my faith at the time of diagnosis till till now. Yeah. I grew up in the church, um, but I would say around in high school I lost my faith. I would, for a while, I went as agnostic and then uh, atheist. Okay. Um, then I was diagnosed and that still wasn't enough to wake me up. Hmm. Um, and I went through my first uh, four chemos, uh, had bad scans, went through radiation, hmm. um, had some good scans for a while. And then I recurred and then had to go for more chemo and then stem cell transplant. And it wasn't until that, that second recurrence, I say that I still wasn't listening to God. So he talked a little louder okay um that i needed to refocus and it was at that point where i started to question my own faith mm. you know is there something else out there because all i had was anxiety and fear and nothing to latch on to for the longest time you know i did i got straight a's in school i was an athlete i could always work outwork everybody yeah. so i could just rely on myself and when I, my body was failing me and there was nothing else to go to where do you put that anxiety because sure. you're not strong enough to handle it? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's where I got to where I was having a lot of trouble. And I worked with our pastoral care team who uh, came and saw me a lot in urgent care when I was here for a lot of issues. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, I just don't believe, and I don't want to believe out of fear that I needed to, okay. to kind of work through that. I didn't want to just say, I believe now because I had no other choice and mm. how do I get rid of this anxiety? So I had to work through all of that to answer enough questions to the point where I could say, I believe again. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that changes everything. Cause if you have something that's not based in treatments and in yourself, then it gives you somewhere to put anxiety, to put depression and to, you know, as, uh, so I'm traditionally Christian, you know, love everybody always yeah. as, yeah. Uh, as I perceive that Jesus says, um, focusing on other people, you know, I was working all through my treatments as well. So being able to focus on taking care of other people and not focus on yourself as much is the prime directive that I think most of us have in faith. And the more you do that, the easier everything else come becomes and you get to feel God in that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, well, praise God. It sounds a long like... answer for any uh, quick question. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That was perfect. <laughs> I mean, and, and what I was going to say simply is, uh, you know, and I, man, I was born and raised in the local church. You know, church was basically the family business on my mom's side of the family. I had, I think, two, I had two uncles that was in the ministry. So, uh, you know, that's all that I ever knew. And there was a point in the time where I had to uh, reestablish, if you will, and define what my faith meant to me and why. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was not in the midst of, of my cancer journey. It, it came many years earlier, but nevertheless, uh, I, I think a faith that is worth having uh, has to be at some point challenged because 
Uh, I think everyone has to get to a point where where they're able to say what they believe and more importantly, why they believe it. And so you worked through that dynamic. And so uh, I thank you for your honesty with regard to to that journey and the fact that here you are, you know, looking and sounding fantastic, you know, still working through a few challenges here and there. But nevertheless, uh, my takeaway is, is that your faith has been a very key component that has mentally, emotionally uh, spiritually and physically allowed you and aided you to work through the challenges of being a cancer patient. So I thank God for uh, for you, and I thank God for the work that you do. Uh, what, at the end of the day, continues to fuel your hope or drive your hope or keep your hope active and alive inside of your being? That's a great question. And thank you for what you do as well. I know you thanked me several times, yeah. but I appreciate what you guys do to support everybody in, in the field as well. Mm. Um, what gives me hope? Uh, a, a lot, almost everything gives me hope. Um, challenging patients give me hope. The success stories give me hope. Mm. My faith gives me hope. My family gives me hope. Uh, my coworkers at CTCA uh, everybody fighting to try and get good outcomes for all of our patients yeah. and their journeys and the, the good hearts that I see, mm. you know, you get to see the most true of, of people when they're going through their hardest times and yeah. you see such good come out in people, uh, even, even if they feel like they're not being good. Um, so I get hope in a little bit of everywhere. Mm. Uh, you know, if you look for it, there's hope everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Well, God bless you, my friend. With that being said, today you have heard from Nathan Schober. He's a clinical dietitian uh, at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Atlanta, since 2013. And he's also a uh, former um, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, cancer patient diagnosed in 2017. And I am grateful for you, sir. And so we join ourselves with you here at Health, Hope, and Inspiration for your continued health, uh, well-being. And thank you for what you do at the bedside of patients every day and helping them eat better and, and balance their nutrition as they continue to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, we're declaring that the best is still yet to come for the patients that you see and in your personal life. God bless you and continue to keep the work up that you do. Thank you so much for being on Health, Hope and inspiration. Thank you. And thank you for everybody listening. It's uh, always a pleasure to get to talk with everybody. Yes, Nathan, if you're listening, thank you. That conversation pre-recorded with Percy McCray. And Percy, I really appreciate Nathan not only sharing his professional expertise, but also his personal faith journey as well, which is very interesting. It is because, again, we have a nice combination here. And I love when we have what what I call, for lack of a better word, kind of a combo conversation not only are we getting some clinical expertise from a professional in his field of study, but he's also a former cancer patient. Yeah. He's been through this process. So he's not just speaking from a clinical head knowledge perspective. He's also sharing, and he did, a tremendous insight to us from a personal journey of right. actually being a cancer patient. Right, and uh, and the faith struggle that he went through as well. So again, that, that's very helpful when, when people are so honest about that and so many people struggle in this area. It, I think oh. it just means a lot just to hear somebody else struggle. Well, I, I think we just need to just put the cards on the table, Wayne. And I think that the current day and age that we live in, uh, there's a lot to be said on, you know, on the transparency of what all is being divulged on social media and what we talk about on the news. Here's my big takeaway. The reality is we have been we have been exposed to the underbelly of, of who we are as people when we struggle, when we when we see our humanity 
And part of that dynamic is a good thing. The only reason why I came to Christ, you know, low these many years ago is because I realized I needed him, that I couldn't do life without him. Mm -hmm. And then I fell short. I missed the mark. When we have open and honest, transparent conversation about struggles of other hum human beings, it helps us to be able to relate yeah. and also be honest about the fact that th that's me. In some, or some ways, I, I struggle with that too. And it all, it gives us all hope when we tie it back to the reality of God that despite that, we can still be empowered to overcome because of God. Yeah. Well, Carolyn Lammersfeld's name keeps popping up on the program here today because we've learned so much from Carolyn, haven't we? Uh, but you have a, a statistic that she has shared in her study of this uh, matter of uh, eating and cancer. Well, first of all, Carolyn is just a dear friend of mine. So anytime I have opportunity to mention Carolyn, I will do so. And she is a <laughs> tremendous professional and a fantastic dietitian and registered uh, nutritionist. Many, many uh, episodes ago, Carolyn had shared uh, this, this statistic, and I was aware of it. And it's based upon uh, from the National Cancer Institute that basically tells us that a, an astounding 20 to 40 percent of cancer patients die from causes related to malnutrition and not from cancer itself. 80% of cancer patients uh, develop some sort or form of clinical malnutrition. Now that stops me in my tracks. You're not talking about dying of hunger, malnutrition. You're talking about eating the wrong things. That's correct. So when we hear the term malnutrition, we need to be educated or re-educated around that term. There are actually people who are overweight and obese who are malnourished eating a lot of the wrong things that is not uh, helpful for them clinically, uh, biologically, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, when we say uh, clinical malnutrition, we're simply talking about the incorrect balance of what we are eating, how we eat, in some cases, how we prepare our foods that is not clinically beneficial to us biologically. And so when we look at this statistic, it's an amazing, it's amazing data to think about yeah. that that high number of cancer patients are actually struggling with and, and, and dealing with the dynamics of being malnourished from a clinical perspective. Would you repeat the stat for us? I will. And so the National Cancer Institute, again, uh, confirms that 20 to 40%, the range there, of cancer patients die from causes related to malnutrition and not from cancer. 80% of cancer patients develop some form of clinical malnutrition. And that's why having a licensed and uh, registered uh, oncology dietitian is crucial hmm. to helping support the battle against cancer because in many cases, uh, we need to make some adjustments with what we're putting in our mouths along with whatever the other clinical medical care that we're receiving. We can potentially help aid and assist this process by making adjustments from a dietary perspective. And I think, Wayne, it's important why you asked the question earlier, why is it so difficult for many people to make adjustments? Because we have to work through the emotional and the cultural habitual nature of how we have eaten and how we have uh, processed eating food that we may need to make some very drastic changes with. For example, like red meat, mm -hmm. you know, Nathan helped us to understand that we need to really uh, make a commitment to decreasing the amount of red meat or processed uh, lunch meats. From a cancer care perspective, uh, that's not favorable clinically 
uh, for me from a physiological perspective with regard to uh, how there may be a correlation between that not being a good food or at least decreasing the amount of, of the intake of that. Green and colorful uh, plant-based foods are all part of helping to assist the process of, of, of fighting back against cancer. I mean, how many people really think about uh, the joys of having a salad at the end of the day? So we have to, re, you know, we have to reconstitute our thinking, but it's based upon education and yeah. it's based upon insight that helps us to be motivated why those types of things are important from a nutritional perspective. Well, believe me, we're going to continue talking about this issue in the uh, weeks and months to come here on the podcast. But in the meantime, why don't you uh, receive our free resource on our website? Cancer Fighting Recipes is available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. It's uh, it's something you can take and use and then let us know. You know, you've got the uh, we've got the question of the week. But you could also respond uh, with some ideas on how this whole thing has worked for you, the Cancer Fighting Recipes. Healthhopeandinspiration.com is the website. All right, Percy, let's uh, wrap things up and circle back on God's Word. It teaches us so much. Absolutely. So we close the way that we began. And again, if we love receiving the promises of God, and I know I do, I love God's promises in my life. Some of God's promises also are contingent upon what we do yes. in relationship. Yes. So 2 Corinthians, the seventh chapter and verse number one, helps us to really, really understand this. And it says, since we have the promises, these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from, and again, I love the language, not from some things, not from a few things, but from everything that contaminates not only our spirits, but also our body, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We, if we can think about it this way, we can associate nutritional changes in our body as a form of reverence Ooh, to God. Good thought. Because our bodies are a temple, is the living temple of the Holy Spirit, the body, the Bible says. And we are responsible for taking care of this temple just like we maintenance our car, just like we take care of our homes, we have to take care of them. We are being held accountable if we want to continue to walk in the blessed promises of God. Remember from everything that contaminates the body, purify yourselves, perfecting holiness out of reverence. You have been listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. He is Reverend Percy McRae, and he is Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Percy, God bless. Uh, we will talk again next time. Love you, my friend, and love you that's listening today. Remember that the battle is not over, and we still have work to do, so let's keep chopping the wood. God bless you, folks. And thanks for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, and Phoenix take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. 
Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.